Welcome to today's edition of Kingdom Encounters. Our scripture reference today is Matthew chapter 21, verses 33 through 46. Matthew chapter 21, verses 33 through 46. Where do we find Jesus and his disciples today? Well, they're in the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, Jesus has arrived. He arrived at the beginning of Holy Week. Uh, at the temple, the blind and the lame, they were being healed, young and old alike. They've been praising Jesus. But there are those present who were not overcome with joy, the chief priests and the elders. When last we saw Jesus, the priests and the elders were attempting to intimidate Jesus by questioning Jesus' authority. And Jesus' response ends up revealing the motives of the chief priests and the elders. You know, Jesus loves to point persons to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is our kingdom encounter, and he's still in the business of connecting God and man. Jesus, God dwelling with man. Jesus and his cross, our access to God. Jesus teaches the truths of the kingdom through his stories or parables. And today we will be looking at the parable of the landowner. Matthew chapter 21 verse 33 begins, as Jesus says, Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard and put a wall around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower. He rented it out to vine growers and went on a journey. This is not the first time we've seen the image of the vineyard. The landowner is deliberate and intentional with his task and his effort. He plants a vineyard. He, he puts a wall around the vineyard. He digs a wine press in the vineyard. He builds a tower in the vineyard. One does not put forth this effort and investment if one does not expect a return on the investment. What does the landowner then do? Well, he rents it out to vine growers, and then the landowner leaves. And when harvest time approaches, the landowner sends his servants to the vine growers to receive his produce. It's time to bring the harvest. The landowner sends his servants to receive his portion of the harvest, and the servants are sent to the vine growers. But there's a problem. The vine growers take his servants, and they beat one, they kill another, and they stone a third. The vine growers do not present any produce to the servants. Jesus doesn't say whether or not there's any product at the end of season. We don't know. But we know that there are problems. This landowner has made a significant investment, as we've seen. There, there's the vineyard, the matter of the wall construction, the wine press has been dug, and a tower has been built. And none of this is simply for one to look at and, and say, Behold, what nice stuff! All of this has a purpose, a reason to produce. And the landowner wants his return on investment. So he sends his servants as emissaries, as representatives, the vine growers do not present the landowner's share of the proceeds, however. Something else happens. Disaster strikes the servants. The first servant was beaten. The second servant was killed. And the third servant was stoned to death. And Jesus tells these chief priests and Pharisees, he says, again, the landowner sends another group of servants larger than the first, and the vine growers did the same thing to them. 
this even bigger group goes to the to the vine growers, and these servants are treated in the exact same way. There are evidently more beatings, more killings, more stonings. But afterward, the landowner, Jesus reveals, the landowner sends his son to the vine growers, saying, they will respect my son. Hmm. Well, one would certainly hope But we find out in verse 38 that when the vine growers see the sun, they say among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. The vine growers see what is taking place. They begin to plot amongst themselves. Huh, this is the heir. This is the heir. This is the one who will inherit the vineyard from the father, the landowner. Come, let us kill the heir and we will steal his inheritance. They take the heir, they throw him out of the vineyard, and they kill him. In verse 40, Jesus asks the question, Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine growers? When the landowner returns from his journey, what happens next? Well, the the chief priests and the Pharisees, they're all wrapped up in this story. They're all enthralled with it and all caught up in it. And they say to Jesus, well, he will bring those wretches to a wretched end and will rent out the vineyard to other vine growers who will pay him the proceeds at the proper seasons. They're all enthralled with this story. And it sounds like they just jump up and answer Jesus. And in the words of the priests and the Pharisees, the landowner will bring those wretches to a wretched end. Wretched. Well, then Jesus asks them a question. Jesus asks, Did you never read in the Scriptures, The stone which the builders rejected, this has become the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Jesus quotes directly Psalm 118, verses 22 and following. Jesus asks these chief priests and the Pharisees if they've read these verses in the Scriptures, which is kind of interesting. They they are the religious leaders there in Israel. This idea of the chief cornerstone, I'm not a builder. I'm not a builder, but I understand why any structure would require a sturdy foundation. Why would builders reject a stone? What are the reasons? The builders, maybe they don't think the stone is up to snuff. Maybe it's not sufficient for one reason or another. Why did Jesus use this scripture? Well, this image of a cornerstone, a stone of foundation, a stone which sets the direction for everything else, is not just seen in the Psalms in the Old Testament. It's seen some other places too. Years before Jesus' ministry, the kingdom of Judah is following their own wicked way. And they are given a warning by God through the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 28, verse 14 and following, this oracle from the Lord comes through Isaiah, the words of the Lord. Therefore hear the word of the Lord, because Judah, you have said, we have made a covenant with death, and with Sheol, the grave, we've made a pact. For we have made falsehood our refuge, and we have concealed ourselves with deception." Basically, 
the nation of Judah at that time is saying that they will trust in anything as long as it's not the Lord. Boy, that sounds a lot like 2020, doesn't it? Then God says this, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation firmly placed. He who believes in it will not be disturbed. The stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Marvelous, marvelous. This came from the Lord and is marvelous. These are words of praise and worship. Not unlike what the crowd shouted just a few days earlier on Palm Sunday. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That word Hosanna, we have talked about that. Hosanna actually says three things. Save us, we beseech thee, we pray to you, save us now. That one word says all those things. And what's interesting, we see these words in this very same psalm, Psalm 118, about the chief cornerstone, just a little bit later. And I don't think that's a coincidence. And to the chief priests and the Pharisees, Jesus says in verse 43, Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing the fruit of it then Jesus says that the kingdom will be taken away. There's this picture that we've already seen producing fruit in the vineyard. This production of fruit, that's a sign of healthy, abundant life. And there's no better picture in the New Testament which describes this healthy, abundant life with God than in John's Gospel. And a few weeks ago in Kingdom Encounters, we looked at John chapter 15. And in John 15, in chapter 15, we read, The words of Jesus, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing." And today, Jesus is saying to those religious leaders that the kingdom of God will be taken away from those who reject the cornerstone and will be given to a people who will not reject him. Well, then Jesus says something very confusing. In verse 44, Jesus says, He who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. The one who falls on the once rejected, now chief cornerstone, will be broken to pieces. The one on whom this cornerstone falls, the stone will scatter that one like dust. What does this mean? This is is a pretty violent picture. Well, Christ has come to make war on sin. And that means making war on the heart. Christ has come to make war. And as I've said before, each of us wants to do our own thing in our own way. We are a sinful, disobedient people addicted to our own pleasure and vanity. That's always been the case. Nations think they know better than God. And nations often set themselves against the things of the Lord. Go back to Psalm 2. 
the very second psalm at the very beginning, the questions are asked. Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed. And in Psalm 2, verse 4, we see the Lord's response to these wayward nations. And His response hasn't changed. The Lord scoffs at them. The Father in heaven tells the Son in Psalm 2, verse 9, You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. We mentioned the prophet Isaiah just a minute ago when we saw his words regarding that cornerstone of the heavenly kingdom. In Isaiah chapter 8, we see another word of prophecy against the evil nation, which points to Jesus the cornerstone. Isaiah 8 verse 13. It is the Lord of hosts whom you should regard as holy, and he shall be your fear, and he shall be your dread. But then he shall become a sanctuary. Isaiah chapter 8 verse 14 reads, Then he shall become a sanctuary, but to both the houses of Israel a stone to strike and a rock to stumble over. Many will stumble over them, then they will fall and be broken. Way, way back in his day, Isaiah is warning both the northern and southern kingdoms, both Israel and Judah, and their leaders and their priests, that the Holy One, the Messiah, is coming. And Isaiah is saying, you will find fear, you will find dread, but you will find sanctuary. This Holy One, the Messiah, who will be coming will be both a stone to strike and a rock to stumble over. That's why Jesus asked his enemies if they knew the Scriptures. If they knew the Scriptures, then surely they would have seen all of this coming. Did they not see this coming? We see one more hint of what Isaiah is talking about, and this is right after Jesus is born. This is 30 years earlier than this account today in, in Matthew chapter 21. In Luke chapter 2, we, we read that when Jesus is eight days old, Joseph and Mary bring him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord at the temple. It's baby dedication. And, and there was an old man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Simeon was righteous and devout, and he's looking for the consolation of Israel, the Messiah. And the Lord revealed to Simeon that Simeon would not see death before he had seen the Christ. And Simeon comes into the temple, and he takes the baby Jesus in his arms, and he blesses God, and he says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of of all peoples, every nation, tribe, and tongue, all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. And Simeon blessed Mary and Joseph, and they're, they're standing there in shock and amazement. But Simeon, he says to Mary, he says, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel. Hmm. 
and for a sign to be opposed. You know, he's a stone to strike and a rock to stumble over. And here we see this picture of this baby who will become the chief cornerstone of the kingdom of heaven. And in verse 45 of Matthew chapter 21, when the chief priests and the Pharisees, when they hear these parables, they understand that Jesus is speaking about them. The chief priests and the Pharisees, they are the vine growers who want to steal the inheritance of the landowner. They want the vineyard. They want sole access and control over the kingdom of heaven. What did we just read in verse 34? When the harvest time approaches, the landowner, uh, let's just call him by his real name, the Lord of the vineyard, sent his servants to the vine growers to receive his produce. The vine growers took the servants and they beat one, they killed another, and they stoned a third. And you know, for years, those servants whom God has sent have been beaten killed and stoned by those who reject any direction given by God. We've seen that throughout history. And now the Lord of the vineyard has sent his son, the heir, to collect because they will respect my son. And you know, there is coming a day when all who have forsaken Jesus, the son, the heir of the vineyard, they will respect him. Look at verse 38. When the vine growers see the son, they, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. And in verse 45, when the chief priests and the Pharisees hear these parables, they understand that Jesus is speaking about them. Jesus has revealed the truth that is in their hearts. And verse 46 tells us that when they sought to seize Jesus, they feared the people because the people considered Jesus to be a prophet. In the same way that the people regarded John the Baptist to be a prophet, the people considered Jesus to be a prophet as well. And those religious leaders, they want to seize Jesus, they hate him, and like the picture of the marvelous, precious cornerstone, they have rejected him. However, they're afraid of the people. They're actually more afraid of the people than they are of the Lord's judgment. Jesus is the heir of the vineyard, the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is the stone which the builders rejected. He has become the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Marvelous. You know, a little bit later, after the crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, we read in Acts chapter 4 that two of the disciples, Peter and John, are arrested in the temple. They have healed a crippled beggar there at the temple gate in Jerusalem. That gate is actually referred to as, it's named Beautiful, which is interesting. The rulers and the elders and the scribes, they begin to inquire, By what power or in what name have you done this? They're asking these same kinds of questions of authority to Peter and John, 
which Jesus was asked, By what power? In what name are you doing this? And, and Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for the benefit done to a sick man, we've tried to help somebody out, but if we're on trial for that, as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. Jesus is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And then Peter says this, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. And you know this stone this marvelous stone, which is still rejected by lots of folks, is still the chief cornerstone. The Son of God who has come to dwell with man. The Son of God whose cross becomes a stumbling block to all who refuse to believe in the salvation that only comes from Him and His resurrection. In the living of these days, there is still salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given the power to save us from sin, death, and hell. All hell the power, the marvelous power of the marvelous name of Jesus.